In a world where it seems totally normal to listen to a podcast about the Toronto Argonauts, it's the X's and Argos Podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos Playoff Bi-Week Podcast, brought to you by Funny Bone Broth. My name is Ben Grant, joined as always by JB. And ladies and gentlemen, JB and I, just like you, we're relaxing. We're enjoying the playoff bye week while other teams stress and prepare for their semifinal matchup while other teams are back home thinking about the depressing thing that was this 2021 season for them and their various failures. We as Argos fans are relishing this extra week of relaxation, preparation, healing. Uh, there's nothing better, JB. No, it's fantastic. Uh, it all has unfolded as we predicted. And while we are relaxing and Hamilton and Montreal are currently stressing about each other, we can turn our attention to that game a little bit. But there are some other things for us to go through. We want to talk about why you need to be at that East Final on December 5th. We also want to talk about some of the uh, team winners for the 2021 CFL Awards, which came out this past week. We're going to give you not a preview of the Western semifinal, but kind of our prediction, how we think that game will go and whether or not that game even matters from a Toronto Argonauts standpoint. Then we'll look at the Eastern final. And this is where we're going to spend some real time looking at Hamilton, Montreal. Who do we want to win? Why do we want them to win? How we think that game is going to go, a score prediction, and then things that you can look for specifically. From an Argos point of view, what are we watching for in that Hamilton, Montreal game? That's all coming up on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. JB, let's start off with the game, December 5th, that we are waiting for, the next Argos game. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have not got your tickets for this game yet, you absolutely have to. JB and I will both be there. My family is going to be there. Almost everybody I know has made plans to get tickets for this game because it's going to be not only a fantastic game, it's a moment that you really need to be there for. I'm a Toronto sports fan. I will cheer for any Toronto sports team. I don't discriminate. It doesn't matter, even if I don't even care about the sport. If it's on, I will cheer for our team. I'll cheer for Toronto. That's just how I'm wired. Here you have a Toronto sports team that is one game away from playing for the championship. And not only are there tickets available that you can go and see, and it's a convenient thing to go and watch, it is a heck of a game experience. And there are all these other incentives as well. There's free t-shirts that they're giving away for the first 10,000 fans, that's a ton. There's also $5 beers all season has been amazing, as well as you know $3 hot dogs. It's the most affordable entertainment that you can go to. Like you, you look at, at food prices and drink prices at anything, whether it's Canada's Wonderland or you know going, going to whatever event you can imagine, going to the movie theater. It, prices are through the roof. It's not the case at Argos Games. And even just now, looking on Ticketmaster, I've, I've got it up right now in front of me. There are great seats available, and and the prices are are really reasonable. You can go for like as, as little as like 28 bucks if you want to sit in sort of the, the fan zones and the end zones, which is an amazing environment. And you really are sitting among diehards and passionate fans, you know, down in, in section 115, 116 uh, in that south end zone. And if you don't mind spending a little bit more, my personal recommendation, I love Section 223, second deck on the west side, uh, middle of the field. 223 is awesome. 62 bucks. Uh, you can get yourself uh, a, a ticket for 223. Prices range all around. If you want to be a little bit closer, if you don't want to be as high up, if you're not like me, sit on the other side of the stadium. 107, 108. At that time of day, it's great. You're not dealing with the the piercing sun that you sometimes get uh, later on in the day. 107, 108. Uh, sit as close as you like. 62 bucks for those tickets. So a billion reasons that you've got to be at that game. And maybe the most important that I haven't addressed yet is... BMO Field is a place that the Argos have done really well all year. The only game they dropped was a game they just didn't care about, a game that didn't matter. Every other game at BMO Field they won because there is a home field advantage. But let's contribute to making that even more of a home field advantage by having a huge crowd behind the Toronto Argonauts. Yeah, BMO is a fantastic place to go see a game if you haven't been. And I agree. I think it's it's going to be crucial Um to, to sell out and God help us if it's friggin' Hamilton uh, in that game, you know, we have to make sure that we uh, keep them uh, down the 401 or down the QEW, I should say, uh, where 
where they uh, where they should stay. So I think it's really crucial. The team has earned the city's respect, and I think the city should pay it back. If you're listening to this podcast and you have the means to be able to go, I really hope to see you there. It's it's a big one. JB, let's talk about the award winners from this past week. So the team winners for the 2021 CFL Awards, as uh, as voted on by the Football Reporters of Canada, uh, to which we do not belong, uh, <laughs> voted on the uh, award winners. And the next step will be this Thursday, where the East and West winners will be announced. Uh, and then um, I believe it's two weeks after that, where the, the league winners will be announced and awards given out. So Let's go through these award winners for the Toronto Argonauts. I thought there were some really interesting choices made, uh, not necessarily incorrect. I just found some really difficult to, to choose, but I think that says something really interesting about the Argos team. So let's start with most outstanding player. So they went with McLeod Bethel-Thompson and the rationale for it. He's seven and two as a starter. He's the leader of the team. Uh, his, his stats are decent, but... It's interesting, isn't it, to have the most outstanding player who has decent stats. And this is a first place team. Like this happens, you know, with last place teams, you're looking for the most outstanding player for, you know, for the Edmonton Elks, for example. You would kind of expect that, well, maybe we're not going to find someone with amazing statistics. But for a first place team, you're not necessarily thinking you're going to go into it having to really look through the roster to find your most outstanding player. That... That's a unique situation, JB. Yeah, it's weird. You know, I mean, they don't, you know, they didn't really have a running back of any uh, significance. Uh, no wide receiver jumped out, you know, for a variety of reasons. Uh, no defensive player wrapped up a bunch of sacks or a bunch of interceptions. It, it re- I mean, <laughs> I think it really is uh, MBT by default. I think, you know, look, he's fine, um, but I would say that, he will not make it to the next round of voting. No, and I don't think he will either. But I think this is a real strength of the Toronto Argonauts as a team because I, I don't have a better choice. I don't feel like, I don't think they missed somebody. No, and I think, they definitely did not. Right. Like if I were voting, I would vote for McLeod Bethel Thompson too. And let's take a second to just recognize like how awesome this is for him. I'm really happy for him. He has put in the work. He was... He was unwanted, and that's what, sort of what it felt like in the offseason. He didn't sign a contract. He finally signed with, with Toronto late, and the perception around the whole league, and even you know between you and I as well, we kind of felt, well, he's coming in to be, it's nice to have a, a, an experienced backup to the future, Nick Arbuckle. And McLeod Bethel-Thompson did what he could to make Arbuckle better. He was a great teammate. He was really good in that QB room just, you know, quietly worked away and did his job in one football game, seven and two as a starter. And he made himself uh, indispensable. He he made himself so that the team just could not go on without him. And they had to make a call at some point. And they're like, well, we, we can't get we can't get rid of McLeod. And, yeah. you know, here he you is. Know, so, I mean, honor is due. I, I didn't think much of him. And, you know, he showed me a, a level of discipline he hadn't shown in the past. And he had a you know, a perfectly average season. So congratulations. <laughs> that is, that's not exactly the fanfare that... Uh, the, no, you know, I, I, I bailed like on have, that apology halfway through. Yeah, I, I guess so. But this is a strength for the Argos, and here's why. It's really hard to scheme for the Toronto Argonauts because with most teams, you look at them as a team and you say, okay, well, who do we have to take away? What's the key to beating this team? And with most teams around the league, it's pretty obvious. That we have got, we've got to stop this guy. If this guy doesn't get any yards, if this guy doesn't have any great plays, if this guy doesn't have a big game, you know, we've got a chance to win. And it's a really tough thing to do with the Argonauts because there have been games where McLeod Bethel-Thompson has not been good and the Argos have found a way to win. Sometimes where he's not been good and the Argos have won easily. And and he's he's the, the most outstanding player on the team. There is no position, there is no player on this team that you can eliminate and then feel confident that the Argos have no chance. And I think that's a real strength because they are a, a very well-rounded team. When someone isn't there, someone else steps up. And that's every positional group, that's offense, defense, special teams. There's You never know on any given day who, who the guy is going to be. And I think that makes it really tough to, to scheme for. Let's move on to the next award. And this is sort of a, a combo because the same uh, Argonaut won both awards. So most outstanding offensive linemen and 
most outstanding rookie, uh, both go to Peter Nicastro. So let's let's maybe break this down into two. Let, let's look at it from, let's do most outstanding rookie first, because I think that's the easy one. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. For most outstanding rookie, there's just nobody else that stood out that way. Nicastro was great. He was everything you would expect, for, like from a rookie and more, even from, you know, as, as high as he was picked. Because for comparison's sake, you look at the first round draft pick the Yargos had in, in 2020 with uh, Dejan Brissett, who I, I think is great. I think that's a great pick. I like Dejan Brissett very much. But you look at his contributions, he's he's not starting. He's not a regular starter. And Castro was not only starting all season long, but was really missed when he went down for injury. And now compare that to the 2019 f- first round pick, who was the first overall pick. Let's not forget, like Dejan Brissett, uh, who in 2020 goes number two overall. Uh, Shane Richards was the 2019 first overall pick in the entire draft. And again, I'm not disappointed with Shane Richards in the sense that he contributed this year. He was a real player this year, but also not a starter. And then the 2018, that's as far back as I'll go, but the 2018 first round pick, Ryan Hunter, who still hasn't got to the CFL. He's been bouncing around the NFL. He was, I think he was with the Chargers. I feel like he's with the Niners now. But yeah, he's never even never even step, step foot in the, the Argos facility. So you look at the last four years of first-round draft picks, Nicastro is far and away the best. And he was the, I guess, second latest pick. I think Ryan Hunter, I feel like that was 2018. So yeah, we would have been last uh, picking in that round. So he would have been the ninth overall pick. But yeah, Shane Richards, first overall. Dejan Brissett, second overall. Peter Nicastro, seventh overall. That's an outstanding pick. And yeah, there's no better rookie in two great draft classes that the Toronto Argonauts have. There's there's no one better than Peter Nicastro. Oh, it's a great choice. And if you're a rookie and you can hold down a spot on the offensive line, then that's worth twice um, any other position, really, as a rookie. And neither one of us can go any other direction there. Nothing else makes sense. I, I couldn't even come up with someone that's worthy of honorable mention there. Like there there have been some great rookies. Like, you know, I, I've been really pleased with pretty much every pick that they made through the 2020 and 2021 draft, but just no one that can come close no. to, to what Nicastro's done. Now let's talk about the other award that he won, Most Outstanding Offensive Lineman. This one, I'm not so sure about. Uh, Nicastro was a good offensive lineman and this isn't an offensive line that that was you know league best or anything like that but to me I felt like I really felt like this is Jamal Campbell and I really feel the difference that the team has felt since his injury has had a greater impact than than Nick Castro's injury I feel like he was much harder to replace at right tackle now maybe it's games played I know Jamal Campbell only played nine games Nick Castro played 11 before he went down. So maybe that was the difference. But, you know, Nicastro, while he is probably, I, most games I had him graded as our best or second best run blocker. Uh, he was okay in pass protection. Uh, but I don't know. I, like, I, I, think you, I think you can make an argument for Philip Blake. I think you can make an argument for, for Darius Bladek. But I really think Jamal Campbell was the best offensive lineman. Maybe the sample size, nine games. In a 14-game season, I feel like nine games is enough. So for me, I I would have given this award for most outstanding offensive lineman to Jamal Campbell. Yeah, I think I think Nicastro in his what helped him is he really did peak before he got injured. You know, he kind of had two really sort of monster games where you actually noticed him as a run blocking force, and that's probably enough to to sway the votes. Yeah, it was interesting. We remember that he started out, the plan was for him to be the center from the get-go. And he didn't he didn't show enough in preseason. He was a little bit banged up. He didn't get to play in those blue and white games. And so there was some concern. So starting the season, they had Philip Blake playing center and Nicastro was playing guard. And then when uh, Philip Blake was injured, the first time Philip Blake was injured, Nicastro was sort of forced to play center, and he just never really gave that up. He was then ready. He was fine. And and that experience was great for him. He never looked back. And he was, like you said, those last few games that he played, he he did look he, he looked great. And so, yeah, maybe you're right that it's it's sort of a recency thing. But uh yeah, I I, I don't I don't have a problem with it, but I, I think if it were me, I would have voted Jamal Campbell. 
The next award, Most Outstanding Canadian, this again is, it's an easy one. It's one of the, one of the best Canadians in the league this year, Curly Gittins Jr. Uh, how can you argue with that? So I've got some stats as a point of comparison because I think what really makes it, because if you look at his stats on uh, just uh, stats alone, 50 catches, 605 yards, four touchdowns, I think we can agree those are good numbers, but they're not necessarily you know, jump off the page numbers. However, let me throw you this. So Curly Kittens Jr. this year, he started 12 games. He backed up uh, one game. And in all 13 of those games, he and the one he missed was the, the contest uh, against Edmonton, that last game, the throwaway game. But the other 13 games, he's, he's lined up at Z. 12 games, he starts at Z. One game, he backs up at Z. Z receivers typically receive the fewest number of passes because it's the hardest position to get the ball to. They're so far away on the Canadian field. They're typically lined up wide to the field side, not always. And uh, to be fair, Coach Dinwiddie's offense does move the receivers around a fair bit. But most of the time, at the start of the play, at the snap of the ball, the Z receiver, even in Coach Dinwiddie's offense, is the furthest guy from the ball. And so he's the hardest guy to get the ball to. And if you want to compare that to like 2019, where remember the, the Argos did have passing numbers in 2019. McLeod Bethel-Thompson threw the ball all over the place, led the league in touchdown passes. The Z receiver in, in that season was Jimmy Ralph, who played all 18 games at Z and caught 38 balls for 366 yards and a touchdown. So compare that. 38 in 18 games compared to 50 in 13 games for, for Curly Gittens, 366 yards for Jimmy Ralph in 18 games, 605 yards uh, in 13 games for, for Curly Gittens Jr. It's not even close. So yeah, that makes it even more impressive when you consider the position that Curly Gittens Jr. played. Yeah, and he, you know, I think he's a star in the making. I think he, you know, he's more than just a possession guy. Um, you know, I think he's got real um, spark to him, you know, re- real... Uh, um, you know, a quick, quick feed and, and quick moves. Uh, you know, I, I think that when you start designing an offense around him as one of your uh, two best receivers, I think, you you know, next year, I think you're really going to, to see him become uh, an elite receiver in the league, which is fantastic. I mean, to be able to have an elite Canadian receiver is, is terrific. And I think, I think looking at him, he, he looks like a guy that, that is, overqualified where he is now and and should probably get moved up the uh the food chain and this is one i didn't see coming he was a third round pick in in 2019 was really limited in his play in 2019 but how exciting is it that he's just 24 years old right now uh that's amazing he's got so much growth still ahead of him yeah no i I, he he looks better every game but when you see him out there you know he looks he looks like a, you know, he looks like a, a professional starting wide receiver, which is not easy to do at that age. You know, I think he, I'm really excited. I'm really glad he's getting that recognition. And, uh, you know, I think that, uh, you know, the Argos really nailed it. And, uh, you know, I would, I'd like to see him, you know, get, get more work, you know, heading into this playoff game. And I can't be sure. I have to go back and check it, but I don't even know if I had Curly Gittens Jr. making the team in my preseason no, depth chart. No, he was definitely uh, he was definitely a bubble guy. I remember us talking about him. He, he was well. I mean, the wide receivers were, room was so deep. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, yeah, he was he was a bubble guy. It's good. I should I should go back and take a look at that too. And, and then he, he was great in camp, but he was overshadowed by Levi Noel because Noel had the best camp of anybody, probably. And so no one was talking about Gittins Jr., even though he actually looked good in camp. It was all about Levi Noel. And of course, he's, he's been hurt most of the season. So, you know, who, who knows? Like maybe Noel comes, comes back next year fully healthy and he puts on a show as well. So there's certainly a, a bright future for uh, you know, assuming the Argos are able to to hang on to a lot of these young guys, there's some really exciting young Toronto Argonauts, and I'd put Curly Gittins Jr. at the top of the list. So well deserved for most outstanding Canadian. The next award was most outstanding defensive player. This is such a weird one, and I, I don't feel 100% confident in my own vote for this, although it's not the same, and yet I can't criticize the pick that they made. So their pick was Dexter McCoyle Sr., 60 tackles, 
two interceptions, one of which I think was a pick six. Uh, and take into account the fact that he started five games. Dexter McCoy Sr. didn't become a starter until all of those linebacker injuries started to mount up. Now, it's a little bit misleading because he was getting a ton of snaps, even though he wasn't starting, because there was so much of that 3-4 look that the Argonauts were playing uh, early on, where uh, in passing situations, they would send a three-down lineman, and then McCoyle would be out there with Judge, Mwamba, and Edwards. And so he, he was getting a lot of snaps. It's not like he was, um, you know, just coming off the bench for a play or two. But still, five starts and still ends up with those pretty amazing stats. I can't argue it um, definitively, but that's not who I'm going to go with. But maybe before I give you my choice, what do you think about Dexter McCoyle as, as the pick? Yeah, I, I, I like the pick. I think he, he was consistent. Um, he was nice on the blitz. Um, he gave them, you know, good coverage. Uh, I thought he was a he was a solid tackler. Um, he made a you know a huge tackle in that Hamilton game. I, I, he was you know just steady Eddie, and while not necessarily flashy, uh, you know, I I think probably it is him. I mean, I like Oakman. I thought Oakman was absolutely held that defensive line together, um, but you know. He didn't get the sacks, and if you're not getting sacks at the defensive line, you're not going to beat out a linebacker for this kind of award. Yeah, I like Oakman too. I, I think Enoch Moamba deserves an honorable mention as well because the defense just looks so different when he wasn't out there. When Moamba wasn't there, the team could be run on so yeah. easily and effortlessly. And so you know, I, I think, and his stats are good too. So it's not like you you look at that and you're like, well, yeah, but the stats aren't there. They are there with Moamba. So I think that's an option. If you just look at first half of the season, we were both raving about Chris Edwards, but he did fade a little bit down the stretch and had some some costly penalties. So I, I get that, um, you know, I, I get him not being there. Just to jump ahead, I think we're going to see some Moamba blitzes in the playoffs. <laughs> We've been waiting all year for it. Yeah, I don't I know. Think, the- I think we're going to. I honestly do. I think we're going to we're going to see some a gap stuff from him because teams just are not going to be looking for it and. He's absolutely a perfect A-gap blitz backer. I think so, too. Like uh, We were saying in the offseason when the Argos made this signing, that was the 2018 Enoch Mwamba in Montreal. They send him all the time through A-gap. In 2019, they didn't. In 2019, he basically did what he's doing this year for the Argos, which doesn't necessarily get you noticed as much. It's, it's a valuable role, but we know he can do it. And so, yeah, I, I would love to see that. I'm not. I've given up on it. I don't think it's happening. I thought maybe for the first four games this year, every game we're like, let's see some, let's see some of these A-gap blitzes from Wamba, but just just hasn't been there. They just aren't interested in doing it. The player I would probably go with, and I have no stats at all to back this up, but that's the thing. And we've talked about this before, but I, I think I think the best player on the Argonauts defense is Shaq Richardson. I think he's the best player. He didn't miss games and he was solid every single week. And I I defy you to find a better defensive player for the Argonauts. Yeah, and he was the spirit of that defense, right? I mean, defense has to have swagger. Uh, it's absolutely vital um, to have that as a defense. You just have to have that belief that you are the the best. Um, and, you know, he brings that. I mean, he's he's the heart of that defense. So I agree with you. I think... It's really hard to because he doesn't have the stats. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think if the defense voted, I bet you Shaq is right there. Yeah, it, it's it's funny because he, the reason he doesn't have the stats is that they just weren't throwing his direction. He ends up with thirty four tackles on the season. And I think he had three picks at the end of it. He forced a couple of fumbles. Remember some of those key plays he made going way back to the beginning of the season. The reason they won the Calgary game was largely because of him. There were a few uh, key fumbles that he was able to cause that led directly to wins uh, as well as picks. But then teams just stopped going anywhere near him. And we didn't see nearly as many halfback blitzes from him once Chris Jones took over. And so it just it kept him kind of you know, out of, out of the action, but still nobody was, nobody was targeting him. You had so, I I can think maybe of four or five occasions this season where 
you know, teams actually tried to pick on him or, or go after him. It just didn't happen because he was so solid. So for me, I know, you know, these are these awards are often about stats and, and his stats aren't there. But I would argue that he is uh, the most outstanding defensive player. And again, not to take anything away from Dexter McCoyle. McCoyle was amazing. One of the best pickups in the offseason. Um, and yeah, he did everything he was asked and more. However, I think I think I would give it to Shaq. I mean, I, I thought it was going to be Chris Edwards after the first six games. Truthfully, you know, I thought he, I thought he flew around the field and was, you know, everything I would want as a defensive coordinator in my defense. But uh, you know, just sort of tailed off last couple of games. And the last award we'll look at is most outstanding special teams player. Uh, this, <laughs> this, this is the easiest one of them all, I guess. Uh, this is Boris Beatty. So. Let's take a look at some of Boris Beatty's stats. And I think you, you could have an argument that Boris Beatty was the most outstanding player on this team because he directly contributed to wins. He provided most of the points for the Argos in the last few weeks of the season. He also gave opposing kickers the yips uh, because of his sensational kicking, his outstanding performance, what we have called the Beatty effect. And... Uh, if you take away those first two games of the season where he struggled a little bit, he's been lights out since then. So he actually started the year two for five. Remember, he missed a couple of kicks in that Calgary game, missed kicks in the first game against Winnipeg. So opens two for five and everyone's questioning what we've been saying because we watched him in training camp and just how uh, lights out he was kicking 50 yarder after 50 yarder. Since then, he is 26 of 28 Think about that. From week three of the season, he's 26 of 28, including six kicks from 50 yards or more, which is only two short of the CFL record. And we're talking about 13 games that he played in. In 13 games, he had six kicks from over 50 yards instead of the 18 usual games that he would play. And yeah, 26 of 28, you can't argue with that. He is uh, the most outstanding special teams player of the Argos. Yeah, I mean, I think he has a great chance to win uh, the league. You know, I think of all of the all the nominees for the Argos, he's probably the only one who who has a real shot at winning the league version of it. Yeah, I was trying to think league wide who might be in that conversation. Uh, like, I mean, what uh, Deadman? Like, maybe yeah. Deadman in Ottawa. It's gonna be tough to beat that. Yeah, you know, and they'll they'll want to throw Ottawa a bone too. It's so flashy. I I think that's gonna be. I think that's going to be a problem. And uh, speaking of flashy, how about Boris Beatty leading uh, the league once again in kickoff average? I know that's not at all a flashy stat, but it's a really important one. He's And don't forget, Boris Beatty is the CFL's all-time leader in kickoff average. And he did that again this season. So, you know, that that's... Don't forget about that part of the game. It's it's huge. Um, his, his punting was of the three phases that he's involved in that that was the weakest of the three but let's also not forget that the protection was highly questionable so he's racing to get balls out of there um he was under duress uh, the the whole season and his punting was still great but uh, yeah it was not as good as his field goal kicking not as good as his, as his kickoff but yeah such a weapon and like we've said before many times to be able to have one guy do both of those jobs and do both of those jobs at that level that's that's value. JB, we've got the Western semifinal and the Eastern semifinal coming up this weekend. Let's talk about the Western semifinal first. And I guess the question I have is, from an Argos perspective, does this game matter at all? Uh, no. <laughs> all right. I, I think I think both are are cannon fodder. You know, I think I think that. Uh... Winnipeg is going to be in the Grey Cup. It's hard for me to argue that with much because I, I don't really have, like the eye test would agree with you. Winnipeg has looked like the best team in the league this year. And there's, um, yeah, I can't say anything about that. And I don't have any stats that will contradict you. I don't have any head-to-heads that would uh, have any issue with that so it is really tough to argue that said my preseason prediction was Saskatchewan Toronto in the Grey Cup so I'm trying to find ways that I can picture Saskatchewan actually getting there at this point 
Um, I do see them winning this game against Calgary, and I think that's I think this is going to be a great football game. I'm really excited about this. I don't have a rooting interest really, other than I guess my my personal prediction. But uh, man, I'm excited about this game. I think it's going to be a pretty good one. Well, it's fascinating. Uh, Saskatchewan is five and two at home. And Calgary is five and two on the road. I know it's so weird. Calgary is such a strange team this year. And their games are basically like a coin flip all season. Yeah, and Calgary came out on top, but yeah, they could have gone either way. Yeah, so I mean, I think I think absolutely, um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a terrific game. I mean, uh, I I I think Calgary is gonna surprise them. I think the environment is going to be nuts. Uh, I would love to go it'll to be, that game. It'll be tough to win, but if anybody can go into Saskatchewan and win, it's Calgary. Or Winnipeg, but yes. Well, I mean, Winnipeg, right, of course, yeah. the, the, the cream. But I, I think I think Calgary is peaking, which is what you always want. Um, you know, I think they've got the championship pedigree. I think that you you got to be really worried when the champ gets off the mat because it looked like Calgary was going to be down and uh, the West did not uh, stake them. And I think that is going to cost Saskatchewan. I think, I think Calgary is, is going to win that game. It's actually Saskatchewan's fault really, because they, that that's where a lot of Calgary's wins came from. Uh, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have been in this conversation had Saskatchewan taken care of business, but but they couldn't, and here they are. And JB, I want to give you credit, which I so seldom do because you so rarely deserve it. But mm. um, the uh, the call, Calgary being a real team, we we debated this. I mocked you during our our last round of power rankings because you had Calgary. Wait, even in the first round, the Calgary. I think they had won like one game, and you had them like fourth or fifth in the league. And I, I mocked you profusely for that as well. And lo and behold. Here are the Calgary Stampeders, not only in the Western semifinal, but, uh, you know, with a good chance to win that game. So you were right. You assessed Calgary correctly. And uh, even after all their their troubles early on, uh, you saw it and I, I didn't. So uh, hats off to you. Well, look, I think, it's, I mean, I think it's going to be really close. I think that, uh, I think that the two teams match up uh really well i don't think either team has um an overwhelming star uh who can flip the game i think it's going to be one of those great football games that is going to come down to which team makes the least mistakes i have this as a 20 to 19 final saskatchewan winning and i think the i think that the difference is the crowd i think it's a really really tough place to play they haven't had the same environment all year this season crowds have been a little bit different since that season opener that they had in saskatchewan but um i expect the place to be packed for this one i I think it's going to be a you know a really difficult place to play and uh yeah i think i think calgary's gonna have a tough time it'll be close 2019 saskatchewan who do you see coming out as the player of the game if you've got calgary winning this uh i do i have calgary um winning 24 21 and I think the player of the game is going to be uh, Levi Mitchell. Mm-hmm. You know? I think if, if Calgary wins, I, yeah. I, right. If if they win, if they go up, it's going to be it's going to be him. It's going to be, you know, uh, he rides one more time, just like uh, you know we've seen we've seen, you know, quarterbacks who don't have much gas left in the tank able to put together a playoff run. Yeah, it's the CFL is a league of sort of the Lazarus at quarterback. They seem to find a way somehow. It wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I'm going to go a different direction because I think Saskatchewan's going to win the game. So for me, the player of the game, I, I think it's going to be one of two guys. I think Cody Fajardo is probably the easiest guess. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Kean Schaefer-Baker uh, as the player of the game. I think if Saskatchewan comes out on top, just kind of looking at how... How this you know matches up? We talked earlier about the value of a, a Z receiver who can actually contribute. Schaefer Baker uh, really came on strong, and you and I were high on him going back to the 2020 draft. I actually wanted uh, them to take him really early. He was one of my favorite receivers in the draft. Um, you know, we had a, a chance to coach against him and just saw what what he could do and what a special player he was. And he has exceeded my expectations um, as high as I was on him. Uh, he's been fantastic and. Looking at 
you know, the defensive backs that, that Calgary's got, I, I, I think I think there is a chance for him there. I think there's going to be opportunities. If one of these receivers is going to have a breakout game, I think he's going to find himself in a lot of single coverage. And, you know, he's got a quarterback that can get him the ball. And it has really developed a nice relationship with him, too. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see Kean Schaefer-Baker, the player of the game there, if Saskatchewan can pull it out. I just, I don't know. I, I can't, I, you know, I can't bet against the champ. You know, and I, I just feel like they, they're going to go into that game uh, ready to steal it. We've got the Eastern semifinal to talk about, JB. This is, this is the big one because this one does concern Argos fans. Obviously, the Toronto Argonauts play the winner of this game. It is Montreal at Hamilton because Montreal basically, I think, saw the writing on the wall that Saskatchewan was not going to be sending a, a full starting roster to Hamilton. So they kind of saw this and thought, you know what, Hamilton's probably going to win their game anyway. Let's not, let's not get everyone beat up trying to beat Ottawa for nothing. And so they did rest a lot of their guys. They rested William Stanback. They, they, you know, didn't, it's not that they weren't trying, but you know, that's a team that could have, could have defeated Ottawa in their sleep if they really needed that game. And they clearly didn't think that that was worthwhile. They felt like it was going to end up in Hamilton anyway. So why get beat up waiting for it? So they're going to travel to Hamilton. Uh, this this is going to be a pretty good game too, I think. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a fantastic game. I think that, uh, you know, we've talked about it. I think that, um, you know, <laughs> Montreal's a problem. Um, their defense is fast. Their defensive line racks up sacks. Their secondary uh, is absolutely ball hawking. Uh, they've got a fantastic running back with Trevor Harrison now. They don't have a guy who's going to, uh, you know, pull a pin out of the grenade with two minutes left, which was really the only thing we said was going to stop Montreal. And he he doesn't have to be great, you know. Much much like uh, you know MBT, he he just has to not, you know, spill sauce all over himself. <laughs> and uh, you know Montreal is is dangerous, and um, you know I I think that they are going to go into Hamilton, and uh, I I think they're going to put together a dominant game. I think I think people are are underestimating how good this Montreal team is when the, you know like when when I watched them against us even before Trevor Harris, I was I was really impressed. I thought that that wasn't just a game that the Argos played poorly. I thought that uh, Montreal uh, imposed themselves on the Argonauts, which um, I, I didn't feel other than Winnipeg had happened. thought other games kind of got away and, you know, this play and that play, maybe things turned around. I didn't feel that in Montreal. I thought that they were the better team on the field and that they kicked our butts up and down the field. So uh, I, I really like Montreal. I think I think they're going to go in. Um you know, I like Montreal, you know, 28 to 21 over Hamilton. It amazes me how the fa- the Hamilton fans I've spoken to this week aren't even really thinking about Montreal. They're thinking about <laughs> Toronto. Like it, it blows my mind because now the guys that know football, they are, they realize, you know, look at like guys like, you know, Marshall Ferguson and, and Kyle Mello, guys that covered the team and talk about this team. They, they know that. Montreal's a problem. They can look at this and see, but the, the casual Hamilton fan, uh, I don't. Th- I think they're going to be in for a bit of a shock. Even if Hamilton ends up winning the game, uh, it's it's, it's going to be a tough one, and it's going to be a physical battle too. I'm so excited to see these two teams just pound each other to death and barely. Yeah, I mean limp that's best case BMO. scenario. I mean best case scenario from an Argo point of view is that the game is a really tough game. And that, you know, they fight for every inch and that it's not a blowout. Um, I, I worry it might be a blowout, but I'm, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully they they hold each other and they, they really, you know, you know, uh, fight for each other. But I think I think you're going to see a quarterback switch in the middle of the game by Hamilton. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, I would I would lock that in right now. And. I think that um, having Jackson back is huge for Hamilton. I think they're a different team when Jackson is their running back. 
Yeah, and you know we saw the difference it made. You know when, and and of course he wasn't there against Toronto in that in that last game, and it, yeah, they just didn't really have a, a running threat the same way. But like I, I, I'm trying to think about what I would enjoy most. I love the idea of them switching quarterbacks and still losing. I think that sounds oh, amazing. I, I'm I'm book it. Book a halftime quarterback change. I don't think there's any way. I don't think they because they know what that's going to do. Uh, but is that even better? Like I, I kind of feel like I, I think from a just a Toronto fan standpoint, I kind of want Hamilton to lose, but Masoli to play really well because I think that actually puts them in more of a mess. Because to me, it's pretty clear that Dane Evans is the is the guy they should be going with. He should be their quarterback next year. So. In terms of like Hamilton suffering and cursing Hamilton for the next however many years, I think the way to do that is to have Hamilton lose, but have Masoli play really well, and have them say, "Well, I guess you know we gotta we gotta find a way to bring back Masoli," and and I, I think that's the wrong answer. So I just um, think, man, and then and then then it'll be our problem. But for right now, it's not <laughs> our problem. I just think Montreal's defense is so. Um, hungry for the ball, so ball hockey that you know, a, you know uh, that you need a really accurate quarterback to to beat them. If you got a guy who who likes to sling it, I think I think Montreal is gonna you know is gonna score interceptions in that first half. And they get they put you under so much pressure so easily that that front four of Montreal. Um, is an issue too, and and then they they run the ball well. Like I think Hamilton for Hamilton to win, they have to get out in front early. If they fall behind early on, the game's over. That's it. Montreal is just going to be able to to pound them into the ground at that point. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I agree. That's <clears throat> I again, it's nice for it not to be our problem right now. I know. I know. I'm enjoying this. I'm really liking bye week. So player of the game, uh, I haven't given you my score prediction yet. So I think it's going to be 26-16. That's how I see this one. Montreal wins 26-16. Uh, who's your player of the game for this one? Uh, I keep going back and forth. Um, you know, I mean, I want to say the obvious, which, you know, in terms of... Like, see, I'm going William Stanback just because I think it's going to set up that way. But if, if this isn't a runaway train then then it's not going to be standback it's if montreal gets out in front early the player of the game will be standback because they're just going to keep running him his stats are going to get better in the second half as they always do uh because he's a load once you start to once you start to tire once that hamilton defense starts getting exhausted there it doesn't matter that they know montreal is going to run they're they're going to be able to run on on hamilton so if it goes the way i think it will go i don't i don't see any way it's not standback but if Montreal wins a close game, if Hamilton gets out early, then, you know, maybe it ends up being Trevor Harris. And I think it's probably one of those two guys. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, I think that um, I, I like Stanback a lot, too. I think he's the best running back in the league. And I think he's going to show it. I think he's, you know, I think he's going to come out and he's in, you know, pretty good shape. He's pretty healthy. Uh, I think he's going to come out and uh, is going to dominate. And I think it was a smart move to rest him last week. Like I think he had a couple carries in the first quarter, and then and then that was it. We didn't see him for the rest of the game. And I don't think that was an injury or anything like that. I think they just thought, you know what, we need this guy next week. He's he's you know what we're we're riding on. So um, yeah. Now maybe the other question from this is: Argos fans are cheering for Montreal because you just can't cheer for Hamilton. There's no there's no world in which we really cheer for Hamilton. That said. Who would you rather play, Montreal or Hamilton? <laughs> um, oh, uh, Hamilton. I, yeah. I know, like God Almighty, playing a team for a fifth time is bananas. <laughs> and if Hamilton is in the game, it's going to mean all sorts of Hamilton fans. Um, but I, I just, I just don't think that they're as good as Montreal. I just think Montreal right now doesn't have a, a discernible weakness. And, you know, um, you know, I think that, uh, that that's a problem. So I would, I would say Hamilton, not, not by a ton. I just simply because playing a team five times is, is no good. You know, I just it, can't take that. I can't take a fifth. I'm so tired of Hamilton. I don't like Hamilton. 
uh, on you know in a regular year we've seen them so many times i'm just so exhausted with hamilton i don't want them to come into bmo again and you know it does create a nice environment i i, I do like the environment i actually enjoy that part of it i i you know i i don't i don't like it i guess from i, I would prefer it was just all argos fans but it does create a, a cool atmosphere and that last hamilton game until like the you know second minute of the game when the argos started running away with it it was a cool atmosphere but uh, yeah, I'm I'm done with Hamilton, and yeah, I don't think I don't enough. think Hamilton helps prepare you for Winnipeg either. No, so. exactly. I think that's an excellent point. Um, which is uh, something I I rarely say about your your comments. <laughs> Touche. Um, because I think exactly that. I think I think Montreal is very uh, Winnipeggy. You know, I think that, and that's the beauty of the game planning. Um, that you're going to be able to to use a lot of the same game planning. You're not going to have to throw it out and, and throw in a new game plan uh, for, for Winnipeg. You're going to be able to, to do a lot of the same fundamental things. I think that's a plus. Let's take a look at the things to watch for in this game. So for me, it's, it's pretty easy. I think there are three things that we can look for, uh, for uh, in terms of Montreal. And I think there's one thing you look for in Hamilton. And, you know, maybe you have a, a different view on this, but let me go through my Montreal uh, things first. So for Montreal, uh, I, I want to see, uh, I want to take a look at their, their pass rush specifically. I, I want to see where we need to double because looking at the Toronto Argonauts line depending on which variation it is and we don't know exactly who's going to be healthy enough for this game I I don't expect at this point for Jamal Campbell to be back but I don't know he could be Um, I do think there's a chance for for Peter Nicastro uh, to be back Uh, you know I I do think we can see uh, the the rest of the line look look pretty healthy but I, I don't know about Campbell where do we need assistance where do we need to either early chip through use of like a tight end fullback type uh, player or where do we need to late chip with a running back can we go one-on-one on the tackles and i really don't think we can on the right side if jamal campbell's not there but that's what i want to see is where's the biggest issue coming from because they're all issues that whole line is is a problem but i want to know which player can we leave isolated which player don't we need to double team can we get away with um, holding up because that's going to sort of impact the strategy. The second thing I want to look for is when they do pass on first down, what are they like? And I think you go back for the whole season. If you're uh, if you're um, Coach Jones, you start looking at passes they like on first down because if you can if you can find a way to limit Montreal's runs and first down while still safeguarding against the passes they like to go to, especially off of play action then I think you've got a winning formula. You have to commit to stop the run. And I think if Montreal makes it to, to BMO Field December 5th, you, you've got to load the box. You've got to do everything you can to take away Stanbeck and then really focus on those plays they like out of play action and get your DBs repping those again and again and again and again so that they can they can stop those in, in zero and in, in cover one. And the last thing that I want to look for with Montreal is... I, I want to find ways to exploit their center. They've had a bit of a revolving door uh, the, going down the stretch of the season at center. And I want to find things that whoever it is they walk out there um, at the center spot is having trouble with. And I want to find ways to take advantage of that. I think that's the weak spot. I don't think you're going to get uh, too much confusion in the rest of the line. But I think if you're you know, going back to those those Enoch Mwamba A-back or sorry, A-gap uh, blitzes, that's that's one that I'm I'm interested in seeing because of that center play, especially delayed blitzes. I think there's an opportunity there to you know mug, drop out, and then re-engage. I think there's th- those those opportunities. I think will present themselves against this Montreal line, but I think it's got to be through A. And I think you're twisting through A. I think you're you're sending even even free safety blitzes through A that we've seen get through so much this year. I'd love to see some of that. Sending Kresden Butler flying through A-gap late, that's fine. Um, but that's that's what I want to watch for. So I'm going to be paying particular attention to the center. So those are my areas of focus for, for Montreal. Anything to add in looking at Montreal, JB? Uh, I, I'm really curious to see how their run defense holds up against Hamilton and what 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 
what there is to be made there on the run defense. Like, what does it cost them, basically? So if they're going to stop Hamilton, what are you spending to stop Hamilton? Yeah, and, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see. I think it'll be, I think the film will be really important. I think that's the, the other big advantage of, of, of having a bye week is you get to watch your opponent throw, you know, largely their best game plan. You know, you're not necessarily going to see all those plays, but you you do get to see um, a pretty empty playbook. So I, th- I think that's an un, an underrated aspect of the buy is you get fantastic film. I have a lot less to look for on the Hamilton side because we've seen them so many times. I don't have many more questions about Hamilton. So for me, I'm going to be paying attention to Jeremiah Masoli because if Hamilton wins this game, it will be because he plays well. And if he plays well, I want to know why. And I want to find a way to take that away. So he hasn't been great all year. He looked he looked good against the bad teams, but against anybody competent and against any playoff team, he did not look good, uh, aside from you know, a few flashes here and there. And so let's see in this game. If he if Hamilton somehow wins, Masoli will have played well. What was he doing? And now let's scheme to take that away. Let's remove that. Yeah, I'm not I'm not even gonna bother watching Hamilton. <laughs> I'm already into Montreal film. I've I've moved I've moved on from Hamilton. And I have too, because even if even if Hamilton wins, which I again you and I both agree is not gonna happen, but even if they do, we've done so much film watching of Hamilton this year, you can only imagine how much film the coaching staff has watched. So it's it's not gonna take that long to start assembling a game plan. It's by far the easier path. It's just it's just not a path I'm interested in. No, Montreal's had such a weird season. You know, like Winnipeg, in some ways, is easier to to plan for because they've kind of been the same team all year. Mm-hmm. And you you know you can look at all their games and 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 you can really kind of get and they're very good, which is a problem. Um, but Montreal, you kind of look at film and you're like, well, who the hell is this team? It's kind of like seven different teams, and it's it's much harder to look at that because you don't know what the hell team you're going to play. But at least this week, like you said, all their cards are going to be on the table. So we'll be able to make something. Yeah. I hope Hamilton makes a game of it so that the film is useful. Come on, Hamilton. It's the least you can do. That will just about do it for us on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. I hope you enjoy the games this weekend. They're going to be good ones. And we will, of course, be back next week to talk further. Once we know about the matchup, we'll have all sorts of content coming your way as we preview the East final next week. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see you.